Welcome back, friends, to the Mark Claire Show. It's another Mark Claire Monday where we start the week off with a great conversation, hopefully one that can change your life, at least in a small way. My guest today certainly changed his life in a pretty big way when he saw some things coming on the horizon, took a big shift in his career. I think you're going to learn a lot from my conversation today with John McCoy. Before we get to that, oh boy, you know how I start my weeks? You know how I start my Mondays? That is with a cup of Fox and Sons coffee. The den blend bark. The den blend bark. No, that's that's the coffee for the dogs. Woof. The the den the den blend dark. Don't give your dogs coffee. I think that's actually a really bad idea. No, the den blend dark is what I drink, which I start my mornings with. He also has the new Costa Rican honey prep that I've got sitting right out there that I'm going to try as soon as I wrap up my den blend dark. My latest bag. I like to go one bag at a time. You know, I'm 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 a simple man like that. Uh, but nonetheless, check out Fox and Sons Coffee because today on this episode we're going to talk talk about. Uh, an entrepreneurial journey, entrepreneurial, it's a hard word to say, entrepreneurial journey. And my friend Stephen Fox is on his own entrepreneurial journey with Fox and Sons Coffee, a business he founded not just to share amazing fresh coffee beans, but also to teach his sons about business, about entrepreneurship, which I think is just a wonderful thing, ties in perfectly with today's episode. So head over to foxandsons.com, F-O-X, the letter N, S-O-N-S.com, and get yourself an 18% discount on good old Mark Claire by using discount code MCS. MCS, do me a favor, get yourself one bag, give it a shot. If you don't drink coffee, give it to a friend, a lover, a neighbor, I don't care who. Buy yourself one bag, help this show, help my man, Stephen, who's starting an awesome business uh, by using that discount code again, MCS, for 18% off your order. And maybe once you're done with this episode, you got some coffee, hopefully. Hopefully, I don't know if the if the coffee would have gotten here by the end of this episode. He's not that fast. Uh, but you can enjoy a cup while you go back. If you didn't listen to it yet, my discussion with Tommy Sammons on the Year Zero podcast, one of my favorite conversations I've had. I ran that on this feed last week, but you got to be checking out the Year Zero podcast from my friend Tommy Sammons. Tommy just has fantastic conversations, dives into a lot of subjects that listeners of this program are really going to vibe with, if you will. So check out Year Zero with Tommy Sammons. And without further ado, check out my conversation with John McCoy. With me today, he is a freelance blog writer. His name is John McCoy. John, welcome to my show. Hey, Mark. It's great to be here. Well, John, a lot of times, as you know, I know you, you've watched and listened to me over the years. A lot of times I have guests on the show that whose work I followed for years, who have a huge back catalog of books and podcasts. Sometimes now on the Mark Claire show, I just find something, somebody that I think is doing and saying something's interesting and I pluck him out of the Twitterverse and present him to the universe. So that, that's what I'm doing here with you today. Um, so we can start um, wherever it makes the most sense for you to start, but just give us a little bit of background on yourself, kind of the the John McCoy prior to your current career of being a freelance blog writer. That's what I really want to ultimately dig into. Absolutely. So let's go. I'm going to go back to when I was like 15. Um, for my whole life, I wanted to be a pilot. Um, and I started taking pi- uh, private pilot lessons when I was 15 and uh, did that all through my high school years. So I, I guess I was kind of getting plugged into the entrepreneurial spirit because I mowed yards and painted houses and did whatever to pay my way through it. Because I mean, learning how to fly is expensive. So um, anyway, take this up to as 18 and 9-11 happens. And uh, I'm in community college. And I was always kind of a terrible student. I argued with my teachers, especially over civics and government. Not surprising. And um, so 9-11 happens. I was a freshman in college and I was 
finishing up my pilot's license and, you know, kind of like as a good, you know, um, red blooded Midwestern American kid, I decided to enlist in the air force. Um, I had a couple of friends that were already enlisted and I was like, you know, this sounds like a better deal than college. College isn't really ringing my bell right now. So I enlisted for a four year hitch and I uh, went in, in May of 2002 and I am doing four years active duty in, um, Abilene, Texas. I was an aircraft mechanic. So I spent four years doing that. And then I transferred to the reserve component. I know you said your dad was in the reserves. So I ended up doing that for about another nine years. So about 13 and a half years total, um, about half of it as a mechanic. And then another half, I ended up in the, um, in the administrative side of the house, uh, running airports and, so that takes me up to 2013 and a job opened up at Fort Leavenworth, the, where the big military prison is, um, at the airport there. And I was like, I don't have a chance. I don't have that many years experience, but I'll put my, my you know, name in the hat anyway. So I do. And then I get a call back and, uh, you know, the, the director is like, Hey, you know, we'd like for you to, to, to work here. And I was like, Oh man, that's cool. Um, so it was a couple years later and just because of some family stuff and things in the, the air force, um, I ended up getting out of the guard after about 13 years. I didn't really want to, but just kind of came out that way. And, uh, we had, and we'll probably go into this part in the smoke filled room, but we had had a very long protracted, uh, custody battle over my daughter, my oldest daughter with my ex-wife. And, um, and the way it plays into this is we were broke, like really broke. So, um, cause legal fees really mounted up and, uh, along with child support. So, I mean, uh, we were strapped and my $320 a month or whatever drill weekend was, uh, met, it meant something like it meant a lot to us. Uh, so when that happened, I was like, and I don't know where we're going to come up with this, you know, like sometimes that was the gas money to get to work. Um, and ironically, uh, it was in the end of 2015. We were still trying to figure that out. Uh, um, my ex-wife gave up custody of my daughter to me. And uh, so <laughs> I was actually trying to shake her down for child support. And I found out she was on Upwork. And I'm like, well, what's Upwork? You know, never heard of it. And um, I'd always been kind of a strong writer. Uh, yeah, this is great. Um, so I'd always been kind of a strong An writer, interesting so way I'm to like, find oh, a new career. That's, that's for sure. Cool. <laughs> Oh, dude, I couldn't have scripted it in a million years. So yeah, that is how I end up on the platform. So I got on the platform. This is early 2016. And um, I made a profile and I was able to look and see there weren't very many people on there in the aviation field. It just wasn't very many. And back then it had just changed over from Odesk to Upwork. So it was way smaller than it is now. And um, you could take these skills tests and uh, they had a few that were aviation related and and I, you know, aced them. And uh, so, but I kind of forgot about it. I was just kind of, it was just sitting out there. And all of a sudden this guy reached out to me and, you know, he was like, Hey, I looked at your, your background and your civilian background too. And I think you'd be a really great fit for a, um, for this newsletter to be the editor for the newsletter. And it was a quarterly newsletter for, uh, for a group that builds airplanes. And I was like, uh, first I, you know, you've heard of imposter syndrome, I'm sure. And oh, yeah. I was like, heard of it, had it, I'm yes, not, have it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was like, I was so close to saying, no, no, this isn't for me. And my wife's like, you better take that. And I was like, 
Okay. Worst that can happen is it doesn't work out and he fires me. So he ended up, and I think it was like, it was an hourly rate at like 10 bucks an hour. I mean, it was nothing, but right off the bat, pretty much replaced that $300 a month. So, um, and I was like, man, there's something to this, you know, like there really is something to this. And I'd, I'd listened for years to other, for a while to, um, well, like, especially like Tom Woods show. And he always talked about the entrepreneurial side, how he kind of made money in Stapleton too. And I was like, man, that's cool that you guys are doing that, but I don't know how you're doing that. And then, you know, it's like, you get that first dollar online. You're like, man, there is really something to this. Like I can, I can make a run at this. And, um, but I kind of was in that trap. I was a federal employee. The benefits were really good and the money was really good, especially since, you know, I didn't have a lot expected of me. (laughs) And, um, so I, uh, I just kind of, it's true. It's true. The rumors are not rumors. And, um, so I'll be honest. I spent what I did was I spent those first few years. I mean, I was doing most of my freelance work at work, you know, and, um, cause I'd say I was doing like a solid hour of work at my actual job. And I'm like, well, I'm going to try to do something with this. So that takes me up to about 2020 to 2021, you know, and the world falls apart. And, uh, my wife had been bugging me for a while. She's like, you're going to have to pick one at some point. You're gonna have to quit your job. And I was like, you can't make real money doing this stuff. Like, I mean, I'd seen it and I made a few thousand a year, like four or 5,000. I was like, man, this is just side income. You know, this isn't really money. And, uh, and then, um, you know, frankly, not to get too political, but the fed said they weren't going to push the vaccine, but on the inside, we all knew they were going to. Um, because they started sending out surveys and I was like, man, I took everything under the sun while I was in the military. I'm not doing it, you know, I'm not going to do it. And, um, so I, uh, basically that made the choice for us and she was making money too, as an independent consultant for a company. It's kind of like Mary Kay. And we were like, you know, I think this is the time to jump. So it was in April, 2021 that I put in my resignation and decided to do this thing full time. So we're coming up on two years now. So that was before, uh, as you sort of referenced and there, that, that was, that was, that was before the, uh, the vaccine. I think we have a slight delay on our, on our audio. Um, there, that was before the vaccine mandates okay. actually came into effect. Is that, that correct? You just, you just kind of saw yes. the writing on the yes. wall. Oh, definitely. Yeah. We were getting, cause they were singing, sending out in like January, 2021, like, these things saying, Hey, we just want you to submit. If you've had it, we're just keeping tabs on who has. And I was like, yeah, okay. You know, I've been around the army long enough. I we're know just curious, you know? Yeah. We're totally just curious. I'm like, we're okay. curious little kittens. There's nothing to yeah, do with curious little kittens. Them. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then, I mean, it was a few months later that the mandate for all federal employees came down. I was like, well, dodge that bullet. And, um, so, so that, that was really kind of the catalyst that, that set things into motion. And there's something to be said for just the way you were even able to take that first step of overcoming that imposter syndrome, as you referred to it. Um, I've probably mentioned it on this show before, but I mean, essentially, it's the idea of, of when you're getting involved in a new thing, it might not even be that new a thing. It might even be a thing you have 20 years of experience, but it might just be a new level or a new role, whatever it might be. But you, for some reason in your mind or in our minds, we think, I can't. I can't actually do this. Um, that's not me. Someone else can do that. Not, not myself. So it, it's something that I'm sure everybody has dealt with on some level or another, another, but it's particularly, it's particularly challenging when it comes to 
something so important like your career, your income, um, oh, especially yeah. I'm sure when you have a, a government job, um, like you kind of referenced, you could probably do this thing in your sleep and yes. you could probably, the easy thing to do would certainly be to skate by why bother busting my ass outside of my normal work hours just to make a couple hundred more bucks. So I'm, I'm curious if you can dig a little bit more into what was it within you that allowed you to overcome that and make that leap and say, I'm just going to try this even though I don't really need to. I got things pretty easy. I knew that she was right. I knew my wife was right. At some point, I was going to have to pick one or the other. I was either going to go all in on being an entrepreneur or just stop, you know? And I was like, I, I don't think I won't. I, I can't just stop. So um, that's that's exactly what it was. I just had to had to dive in. And I knew I was, you know, I was looking around and the, the, uh, what they call it, the rate, the great resignation was in, in full swing. I'm like, it's not like I'm not going to pick up a job. Um, you know, I have a master's degree and I have a lot of experience. If I have to go back to the workforce, it's not going to be hard to get something. Yeah. It sounds like you did what I try to tell people to do and what I try to apply to myself in almost any situation where you're faced with a decision about you know, do go to the, take the left path or the, or the right path. Um, usually what holds you off from the one path that has a little more enticing promise, but a little more of a risk is you, you create this nightmare scenario, this nightmare scenario of all the terrible things that are going to happen. If you take that right hand path and you fail and all, all the things that are going to result. So what I always say is, and what I try to do now is like, imagine that worst case scenario, like really act like that's going to like, just assume that worst case thing is going to happen. And then what? And usually in reality when you think about it it's not the answer isn't and then the world ended you know the answer is usually okay this sucks and i've dealt with things that suck before and i can if that even if that extreme thing that probably isn't really going to happen does happen okay so what so i'll deal with it yeah no no you're absolutely right and i mean i'll be honest that first six months six to nine months uh, of not having a steady job that was actually really hard um First, a couple of contracts I had landed right before I quit uh, fell through, and I was like, "What am I going to do?" You know. And then, uh, but you know, you don't understand how. I mean, most not you, but most people don't really get until you put yourself in that situation how much of creatures of habit we really are. Like the first couple months, I was like wanting to go back to an office, and and I, I can't even explain it. I didn't want to. I mean, I'd been running on no sleep for years and, you know, I was like, suddenly I'm I'm rested and, and it just, but it's so deeply ingrained in you. We've been doing it for a decade and a half, two decades, um, that it, it, it gets into your everything, every part of the fabric of your life. And it took me about six to nine months to kind of break out of that. And, um, and it didn't help the first, first six months or so I didn't make anything like really they, what was not until, and, and I think I'll attribute that. Honestly, a lot of that was me. It was just a mental block where I was like, I'd already thrown in the towel. I'm like, this is not going to work. You know, I'm going to go back to the workforce. It's I'm not going to do it. And, uh, and fortunately my wife's like, you need to give this a chance. And really it was about then that things just started clicking. Um, and I, it's hard to really explain how they did. It's just when I, it was, it was a mental barrier. When I put my head down and just started focusing, suddenly I started making money and, and then more and more. So, I mean, there is something to be said, you, you really have to dedicate yourself to this. And, uh, you know, when they talk about a lot of people talk, you know, they're like freelancing or entrepreneurship is the fastest and simplest way to 
like radically increase your income. They're right, but that's only a part of the story. There are hundreds and hundreds of hours of unseen work going into that. And there are thousands of drafts of your copy that totally sucks that gets you there. So, I mean, yeah, when it starts actually really picking up, it's great. But I mean, it took me to get where I'm at now, which is, you know, well over five figures a month. Um, it took me seven years to get there. It was not overnight. It took a lot of work. It's it's interesting that that time frame that you put out there that that six to nine month because because I I experienced something similar. I, I mean, I've told the story on my old podcast, maybe a little bit this one. I don't need to go into all the details, mm-hmm. but I left my very cozy job uh, for a similar pending reason let's just put it that way um and it was it was about and and in some way it's a liberating decision to make you know like okay yes you get your like f the man moment like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do what these people say and then after about a week or two of that you're like oh fuck (laughs) because then the paycheck (laughs) stops coming and then suddenly you realize like oh wait no there's a reality here you don't win this thing by just deciding to say F the man and, and then, and then it just magically happens. No, that's actually when the work begins and when the stress begins and when you realize, okay, now this is real. This is no longer this fantasy I, I was having of, of what things might be like someday. Now I'm actually there. And as you've experienced, as I experienced, like, especially in the beginning, I mean, Maybe for some people it'll be different if if someone could do this when they were sitting on a shit ton of cash already. Um, that certainly wasn't the case for me. I don't <laughs> think it was the case for you. Um, no. But at the same time, no. while it sounds like for you, like and me as well, that, that that initial period was just full of stress, full of doubt, full of rough patches. Uh, at the same time, it's it's the the ability to work through that and and still get through and still survive. That is it's kind of its own own sort of rite of passage. I, I felt like to, to me anyway. Oh, absolutely. It is. It absolutely is. And I mean, that is where, I mean, honestly, that's where you're going to be made or or broken. Like that's, it's that point right there that you're going to have to test your metal and figure out what you're actually made of. If you're going to persevere and, and do this or not. And yeah, you're right. You're like, you have that F the man moment. It's great. You're like, you get your middle finger in the air and you sleep in until, you know, noon that first Monday that you're not at the office. (laughs) And then you realize, well, my check's not coming next Wednesday. And it gets really, real, really fast. Um, so, um, you know, I think a lot of the people that have made it to maybe don't really want to talk about the harsh reality of crashing and burning. Um, there are a lot of people who are going to crash and burn when they do this. And I would also say, and um, not in a spiritual sort of way, but, um, and I don't, people can call it what they want, but there is an absolute element of luck that goes into this happening. All right. Like hard work is a lot of it, but I mean, some, some of the things are just unexplainable, you know, like I wasn't doing any, my biggest client right now is a car blog and I had never written on that at all. And the dude found me and, uh, and honestly, I was about this close to dropping the contract early on because he and I just didn't mesh. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and again, that goes back and I'll, I'll say this a bunch of times. It goes back to my wife having more understanding. She's like, you need to give this one some time. And I did. And it's panned out incredibly. Um, so, you know, you need to listen to those people around you, uh, that know you really well. You need to have like a circle of people that you can trust because they're going to see some blind spots that you can't see. Um, and that is going to help you, uh, 
you know, kind of maintain your focus and your balance because you're going to need that when you're, when, especially earlier on in this, before you have a huge body of work and really before you have that confidence built up. Cause I mean, when, when you consistently are achieving certain figures, I mean, just your perspective changes, you know, your perspective about how you approach it, especially a new client, how you're, you know, when, when they're asking for a bid, I mean, your confidence changes. You're, you're willing to ask for things that you weren't willing to ask for before. Um, but you really need those people in your corner to kind of keep you focused. Yeah. And, uh, one, one thing you met, we talked about a little bit before the show that I, I, I hope you can sort of expand upon a little bit is, and this is not a, you know, a, a, co- a commentary about what the U S military is currently used used for politically or what have you, but in terms of what the, the, um, what, what going through the military and being in the military, some of the, the, the skills that it provides you or that you develop, I should say, um, like discipline and that sort of thing. Can you maybe dig into how, some of that experience helped create some of the conditions for you to be able to have the discipline that it does take. It takes tremendous discipline to be able to get up in the morning on your own without a boss telling you, without someone yelling at you um, and do what needs to be done for you. That's uh, to me, that's one of the hardest things to to break yourself out of, especially because we are raised from school, from everything to just do what we're told, do what we're told, do what we're told, do it well, and we'll succeed. It's a totally different flip of the mindset to just to to be that person for yourself. Oh, it is. It totally is. Well, it's funny because so I logged in and I think it's only five minutes early and you're like, man, you are really early. I'm like, oh, am I really? I'm used to every guest either right at the exact second on time or (laughs) five to 10 minutes late. Oh, no, no, no. So, I mean, you know, if I, what I used to do as a supervisor, um, I had to do quarterly briefings and I had to call in weekly to my directors and just give them updates. And I mean, it wasn't that demanding, but you know, a lot of these guys were like retired colonels and stuff. And, you know, five minutes early is late to those guys. And so, I mean, you get, you know, and you weren't, you're around that long enough. I mean, I spent about 20 years altogether around the air force and army. I mean, it just gets in, it's gets deeply ingrained and you, it just becomes part of your life. And that really actually that segues perfectly into one of the notes I made that money is attracted to speed. All right. Mm. Uh, and what you, said tweet about you just guys, had today too. I probably is. <laughs> and, um, so, uh, what that means is that, you know, the faster you get this done and you provide a, a, clean project or a clean um a clean finished product to your client you know they're going to want to stick with you because what i have found and i've said this to to my my family and friend circle for a long time is the talent pool is actually pretty shallow out there all right so anyone wanting to do this and strike out on their own they can have confidence that the talent pool is not as deep as you think it is looking at it from the outside. There's a handful of gurus that have huge accounts on Twitter. And then there's like 14 million guys that have no followers that talk a big game that don't make any money. All right. So if you can weed through those, you have a shot at this, especially if you have transferable skills, but back to what you asked me, yes, the military, I mean, I actually received the tangible skills there. Um, like in aviation, I, I make a lot of money writing about airplane parts. It's boring, but it's also kind of a recession proof industry. And not that many people can write a thousand to 1500 words every single morning on that topic, you know? And, uh, and I can, and that's a, that's a technical skill that I learned from, from my time in the military. But as far as the intangibles, you know, the soft skills like showing up early, those things are 
coveted because a lot of freelancers are not reliable. All right. They're just not. So if you can prove to someone. Yeah, that, that's that's what I was going to going to say that like, well, yeah, like when you mentioned that the talent pool, the, the talent pool might be out there, but the reliability pool is much smaller because there's a lot of talented people that simply don't show up. And one thing that I notice is, is if you get in your head with imposter syndrome all day long, if you even you don't necessarily it's not like you need to be a superstar, you can develop into a superstar and you should always try to improve. But if you just do the normal level of work, but actually show up and get it there on time every time, you're already ahead of 80 percent of people out there. Oh, absolutely. You absolutely are ahead of those. And so that's another thing I was going to talk about is, is taking inventory and figuring out what you're really good at, because you'll be surprised at the things that people will pay you for. Like if you're an Excel nerd, my God, I mean, the sky's the limit, dude, people will pay ungodly sums of money if you can actually solve their Excel problems for them. And, um, writing, of course, copywriting, blog writing, whatever you want to call it is always, always in demand. Um, and you're just going to be surprised out there at the boring industries that are absolutely loaded. So a big part of it is finding them. And then after that, once you find them and you make inroads with them, proving that you're reliable, proving that you're on time, proving that your copy doesn't suck, you, you won't ever go hungry. Where would you start if, if you were kind of giving advice to someone new that someone that might be thinking, well, like, okay, that, yeah, John had the the luxury and it's not a luxury of, of having all this background and learning all about these airplane parts. So he's got that skill, but I don't, I don't have a skill like that. Like I don't have a technical deep skill like that. I don't know how to write. And this, this, by the way, doesn't necessarily need to be about writing. I think the lessons then that we'll talk about could apply to anything no. else, but writing is an interesting one because it's one that pretty much anybody can do like people say like, you know, yes, there are various degrees of skill with, of writing, but everyone talks. And if you know how to talk, (laughs) you know how to write, you just have to take it out of your head and put it on and put it on a computer or whatever it may be. Absolutely. So what I would say, and I actually wrote an ebook on this is, um, I would start with Upwork and double-edged sword. A lot of people don't like it because they take a 20% 20 cut right off the top it sucks but there is no better marketplace for people looking for work um there are no cold clients there all right there are no cold pitches you go there and you see what's in demand so especially if i said hey i don't have any of these hard skills like john does you know i don't know anything about anything what i would do is i would get on their blog and I use Upwork as a barometer to see what is actually what people are paying for. So every quarter they release a skills index of their top skills that they that Upwork is having people do. So you get on there, you know, it's you know, it's whatever, C, it's Java, whatever. There's they haven't broken down to tech skills, they haven't broken down into non-tech skills. So I would start there and say, hey, this is what people are actually hiring for. All right. And then I would actually get on Upwork and I'd start searching these things, see how many jobs are. So if you put in like Excel or Google ads or something, you're going to come up with like 3000 hits. But if you do something more obscure, you're going to like aviation, you're going to have like 30 hits. So I would not start with something obscure. Mine, that's where I go back to a lot of it was kind of this element of luck. Like there, there wasn't a lot of work and available in what I did. I just kind of persevered and stuck my head down and made it work. Um, but if I didn't have those things, I would go and I'd find out any of the things that remotely fascinate me that are on their high demand list. And then I would go to Udemy or you go to your local library and they usually pay for free services. Like my local library pays for LinkedIn learning. All right. And so if you get on there, 
you know, you get 30 or 40 hours of free training on something. And that I guarantee you, if you do 30 or 40 hours for their little, you know, career program on LinkedIn learning, you're going to be at least good enough to get your foot in the door. So that is what I would do. Right. I mean, I, that's the fantastic thing about the, the access and technology we have now. The excuses are gone. Like there are no more excuses. Um, if you're if you're looking to do something else, if you if you want to be more independent, which is something that I, I think probably in, in similar time as you, like I, even while I was podcasting under Lions of Liberty, I was also listening to guys like Jason Stapleton, uh, Tom Woods, and Jason was talking about having yes. this mobile income years before everyone suddenly yes. was doing remote work and trying to find mobile income, and uh, just even just getting in in that mindset of things, um, I, I I think prepared me a lot more to to actually pursue that uh, later on in life because at some point I think, and if you didn't realize it in the last two to three years, then maybe you won't ever actually realize it until it actually happens. But at some point, almost all of the normal jobs that we have, even ones that you think can't be replaced by a computer are going to be replaced by a computer, um, including maybe blog, blog writing. And maybe that's something we can get into. I, I'm, I'm actually, I hadn't really thought about this a- angle of it. Um, but uh, like we have, as you've seen the rise of very rapidly of AI, that's gone from pretty shitty to like somewhat coherent to like, okay, soon we might not be able to tell the difference if we're not even there now. Yes. Do, you, do you feel under any threat to be able to how, to how can you maintain your ability to outcompete what will eventually might be an AI that will just write a, a lovely blog, blog blog article about you know airplane parts or what have you? <laughs> you know I actually see that a lot, and um, I think what sets me apart is when you've been doing this for a while and you understand kind of how it works. Maybe my writing career does get outsourced, but once you've been in this entrepreneurial mindset and learned how you can make a buck. You just learn to pivot, you know, mm-hmm. it might be doing something besides, you know, you might be moving it. You might be the guy programming the AI to, to outsource myself, you know, but a lot of it is just learning how to pivot, learning how to, uh, skill stack. Uh, I mean, like another thing, like a big part of copywriting is, is SEO. I mean, that's not going to go anywhere. AI is not going to replace that. You have to learn how that, you know, understand how that works. Um, so I, I think what I would say is get really good, dig one, you know, instead of 50 holes a foot deep, you dig one hole, like a hundred feet deep. That'd be for me writing. Once you are really good at that and mastering it, it's time to broaden your skill stack. You need to go in there. You need to figure out the things that are complementary to it, but that can also be a standalone thing like SEO, uh, WordPress, things like that. Um, things that you can pivot later on. If, if I'm made obsolete, that I have this other skill that I can do. Um, but I think most of it, it still goes back to a mindset issue. And if you've learned how to do it once, you're going to learn how to do it again. Yeah. And I, I think ultimately what we're talking about here is that the real skill isn't the skill itself. It's not writing. It's not knowing about airplane parts. Um, it's not even necessarily Mm -hmm. a particular discipline per se, but it is this, the ability to, get through some shit and the ability to adapt and the ability, the ability to acquire whatever skill or whatever mindset you need to acquire to get through these moments. And this is why I've, I've pivoted so much in in my personal direction, but I'm sure you probably parallel this in your own personal journey, which you can feel free to elaborate on. But you know, as I, when I was looking at everything through the, through the political lens, 
uh, I saw all the problems through politics, so I therefore saw all the solutions through politics. And the problem, what's nice about that in a way, is that you can put it all off off of yourself. It's not your fault, you know. It's you can't you can't make it because the industry is overregulated and we're all overtaxed, and uh, this is and it's not a fair system. All of which is legitimate and true in a sense, Um, but it it takes all the responsibility off yourself. And once you start looking away from the political angle of it, um, not that there's not legitimate things to be concerned with there, but most of the energy that I see applied towards politics is is in in a method that will surely not result in changing the politics. It's really just a venting. And so I I think I'm just ranting here. I'm not sure if I have a question, but (laughs) uh, maybe (laughs) this was just inside me, but uh, I'm curious how much your own, because I know you were listening to all the political podcasts. You were listening to Lions Liberty. I'm just curious how your own perspective on politics changed as you were going through the same metamorphosis uh, in your own career. Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, I mean, and I said that before we got on the show, but I've listened to you since like 2015. And I listened to all the other mainline libertarians. And, you know, I had the books and all that other stuff. And then 2020 early. I was still cringy then. (laughs) I thought you were pretty good. And uh, so... I, um, yeah, no problem, man. Um, I, I realized when, when 2020 came down that that wasn't going to save us. And what Stapleton was talking about, it really resonated finally, what he was talking about your individual liberty and autonomy starts with your income streams. Um, you know, you can, you can, you know, thump Mises all you want, but that doesn't make any difference if you have to work at Arby's. Okay. You know? You can say all you want, but it, first off, that's not going to change anything. And no one's going to really believe you either. Uh, no one's no, going to be like, no. here, the key to everything is reading this book, says the guy doing the third shift at Arby's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not there's anything wrong with working at Arby's, but it's not a position of authority. Exactly. And no, so that's, I, it finally resonated, reson, <laughs> resonated with me that, that your individual liberty has to start with the ability to to earn on your own terms, you know, uh, and, and we saw that really come true with, uh, whether a federal employee like me, or if you're, uh, you know, employed by, especially the major corporations that all mandated, mandated the VAX. Um, yeah, it's just the best example to use of how you being relying on them can get you into something that you don't agree with, you know, but you end up taking it anyway. It gets crammed down your throat because you didn't have a backup plan. You didn't have any other alternatives. So your autonomy, your personal autonomy starts with your income. And, and I just, you know, I'll be honest, I didn't vote in 2022 is the first time since I was 18. So I'm not doing it. What difference is it going to make? The only difference it starts with what I do here on my homestead with my family and my income. That's where the, where the change actually exists. And it's funny how many people would be mortified not really in the circles we run in but out there in the normal world we would be mortified by the fact that you didn't even do your part do your part and vote in a political race <laughs> meanwhile those most of those same people will sit back you know stay in their house um take a remote job or not watch netflix do whatever they're told to do um as yes. the system crushes their souls it's totally, it's totally soul crushing. I actually was tweeting with a friend of mine a couple of days ago, and I told him that uh, that the W two the W two uh, workforce is the modern slave class. You know, because he was he was taught he has an LLC as a trucker, and he is like, you know, I've made more than I ever had before having my own independent work, and mine is the same way. I mean, they you get just enough to keep you just comfortable enough to keep coming back. 
and to be scared to do what you and I did and break away and, and create your own, your own destiny, you know, not to be dramatic, but I mean, that's kind of what it is in terms of, you know, if, if your thing is taxation is theft and, and all this stuff and that's your passion, well, there's no, there's no worse financial position to be in, in terms of taxation than to be a, a W2 employee. Uh, you know, if you, if you, so if you want to live Absolutely. the principles that you, that you believe, and I mean, you can just have a podcast like I just did at one point and complain about it uh, and not do much else otherwise. Uh, or you can actually right. change your own situation. Um, yeah, you probably can't change everybody's tax situation and just eliminate the taxes because that's not reality. But what you can do no. in reality is be- become a 1099 contractor. Even if you're still a W-2 employee, you can still be doing 1099 stuff. And once you do that, you've opened a whole new uh, whole new universe of how you can save on taxes because now all your expenses, uh, anything related to that stuff becomes a write-off. Um, eventually, if you make enough, it might make sense to start an S corp. Yeah. These are all like boring things that I don't like having to deal with paperwork. I hate that part of it. Um, but once you get these, these systems into place, um, it makes your life that much smoother. So you can, you can complain about the taxes or you can actually just like lower them by doing something different. And you, you have less to complain about, even though you probably yes. still will. And I probably still will. <laughs> oh, absolutely. We're still libertarians. We're going to complain about it. So, um, but you know, you're absolutely right. And and don't underestimate your ability to radically increase your income. Like that is something you can't do that at a W2 job. Like what are they going to pitch 50 cents an hour to you or the way, Hey, you can work second shift and you get a dollar an hour differential. Great. I just wrecked my entire life to take that extra $50 a pay period, you know? Um, so where I want to convey to other people is that, you know, isn't it worth it to take a shot? to try this, at least try this one time. I mean, especially if you're, you know, in the sub six figures category, like most people are like, isn't it worth it to maybe take a year, take six months, learn a skill, say, I'm going to learn Google ads. I'm going to spend six months learning it really hard using either cheap courses or free courses through my library. And then I'm going to set aside every dollar I can from my W2. So I've got a little bit cushion and I'm just going to try it. I mean, I, I don't see a downside to just giving it a shot, you know? And I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not at the top of the mountain now, but you know, like I'm on my way up and I'm doing very, I mean, way better than I could have ever imagined. I never saw this happening. It's worth it. And like I said, I'm, I'm, you know, way higher up the mountain than I ever thought it would be. But I mean, looking back on it, I'm like, I don't see the downside, you know, it's worth a shot, taking a shot at your on betting on yourself. I know what the downside is. The downside is because this part is kind of the guarantee part. You are guaranteed. Well, not entirely. I'll t- we'll talk about that in a second, but you're, you're kind of guaranteeing yourself a little bit of stress. You're kind of guaranteeing a little bit of discomfort. Um, you're guaranteeing whether it's because you got to put all your dollars aside. So maybe that means you don't go out to dinner as much. You have to say no to drinks with friends sometimes, maybe all the time, uh, if you're really going to dedicate yourself to it. It takes, again, a skill that you were able to hone in the military. It takes discipline and real discipline. And that's hard. And I'm not saying this. I'm saying this as someone who thinks it's hard and and doesn't always make the right decisions. And you know, you're not going to be perfect, uh, perfect in this thing. I've had plenty of nights when I've just vegged out when I sh- probably could have and should have been uh, building skills or what have you. But the, the point is, no matter where you are in, in your position here, the, the downside is, is that, yes, you'll have to become more disciplined one way or another. It, it means you probably can't just come home every night after your job where you were zoning out because you, you sleepwalk through it anyway and veg out. Yeah, you're going to have to do more than that. And for a lot of people, that really is 
that is the the thing that's too hard to overcome is having to actually make that change and be self-disciplined. Um, but like you said, the downsides are actually pretty low because that's the whole downside. And if you're in a under six figure job, no offense, you can probably find another one because that job is not irreplaceable. Uh, so your downside is you have some discomfort, you give it a shot and you fail and have to get back to the workforce. It's probably not going to happen though. I mean, it's quite honestly, it's I, I've barely met anyone that's really tried and ultimately that and, and just had to completely turn around. Worst case, they acquired some kind of skills that went in a different direction. Maybe it was this, wasn't the same direction they were looking at originally. Um, very rare, if ever, have I heard of someone trying this stuff out and ending up homeless. Yeah, I, I don't see it happening um, because you learn so many intangibles. I mean, for one thing, if you ended up going back into the workforce, the things that you've learned from betting on yourself, it's going to make you valuable, invaluable. I mean, totally. Because I mean, your ability to step up to the plate and do things like this, you know, get on podcasts, you know, speak openly to speak publicly. I mean, those are just soft skills that they'll pay, you know, stupid amounts for if you can deliver. So, I mean, there isn't any downside to doing it, but you're, I'm with, I'm with you though. I'm like, I, most people that just bet on themselves, if you've already got the balls to bet on yourself, you're probably going to make it. All right. And, and you're right. It's that shallow talent pool because most people are, are so miserable. They come home, they throw on Monday night football. They, then they spend the rest of the night staring at their phone and, and watching Netflix just to get it, just to get through the weekend. And, you know, that's, that's your competition and that's not competition. All right. So it's a very small amount of people that are actually going to step out and do the really tough thing anyway. So, I mean, you're not competing against the entire workforce. You're only competing against a small fraction of the workforce that was willing to get out there and try it anyway. So, I mean, there are a lot less people competing against you than you probably think there are. Yeah. I mean, just, just think if you just think of your own circles of people, like think of maybe not just your closest friends, your closest friends might be more likely to be like you or what have you, but think of the the closest 40 or 50 people, you know, I think most likely Mm -hmm. 80% of those just have a normal job and they go to that job and they don't do anything else in terms of business or entrepreneurship or side income or anything. And that, that might be a low number. Um, so that's you're even just in the normal population, there's just not that many people out there doing this. Now there are a lot. Um, but then that's where the skill that you've talked about is, is honing in and niching down. And maybe you you hop over to a different skill than you thought of originally or a different niche than you thought of originally, um, because no matter what, there's someone out there who even if they're finding someone to write whatever they need to write or whatever it is, there's a decent chance they're finding a lot of unreliable people along the way that aren't showing up. Yes, no, that's exactly it. And out of my circle of close people, I'm the only entrepreneur I know. There you go. Like Really? Like the only one that actually makes a real living at it. So, um, you know, and that's out of a lot of people. So, um, and I'm not talking about, you know, like in Twitter, yeah, you're going to get over there and, and LinkedIn, you're going to be in this, you're clumping yourself with people that are similar minded, but in the real world, hardly anyone does this. So if you have the discipline, you can learn the skills. That's the thing you're, you keep touching on it and you're absolutely right. Discipline is the key. You know, I get up at 6am whether I want to or not. And I usually don't want to, but I do it because I know that I've got to do that. And I, I understand there is an allure to kind of being the digital nomad. Um, it maybe it works for some people. Uh, I think for the bulk of people, especially if you already have kids and you're, you know, you're doing, it's not going to work. You know, you have to be disciplined. You got to get in those reps, you know, per, 
you know, proverbially reps before they're up and, and around, you know, you need to get up and you need to set a very maybe rigid schedule because that's, what's going to keep you driven. You know, um, you just, you just can't shoot from the hip. Like this isn't a, a W2 job, but, but a lot of the skills you're going to learn to be successful in those jobs, they transfer, you know, like, like you said, showing up early and sh- and producing on time nothing really changes just because you're a 1099 contractor doesn't mean that your that your client doesn't expect his stuff on time you know even simple things that i i didn't even that i taken for granted and i i find that i have clients that are blown away that i do these things but things like respond quickly uh things like listen to what was said and then come back knowing that you heard what was said, just literal, basic, regular human skills that don't actually take skills that you don't have to go to school for. You just need to pay attention and be a a normal person to achieve. It's, it's, it's shocking when you realize the things you get compliments on, like the things you take for granted, like, like, you know, just like, you know, I've been told like, man, I I just love that you respond to my emails within a day. I'm like, how could you not respond to emails within a day? If you're, (laughs) if you're an entrepreneur in this space, you know, okay. If your friend's emailing you about a movie, fine. If your whole business is like trying to be an entrepreneur, how can you not be so on top of just, just responding to emails that we all have these, like, stop it. You you can all respond to emails. I mean, it just drives me crazy. But it's, but again, that's why it's, it's easier to stand out than you think for that reason. No, that's exactly right. I can't even count the amount of times I've had clients or, or potential clients I've been talking to. They're like, Hey, you got back to me fast. Like, you know, I get back with them in a couple minutes. I'm like, well, what is everyone else doing? You know, like, I mean, when you're in, when, they're scrolling you're doing this work. Cause I, I mean, know they're online. They're scrolling. They're just yeah, doing something else. I'm like, well then, I mean, and frankly, those are the people that you're competing against and they're not competition because they're headed in the game. Like it is not that hard to succeed in this. Like it's, it's simple, but it's hard. I guess that makes, makes sense. Like building your brand up and getting out there is, is not easy, but it, but the, the steps are simple. Be disciplined, show up on time, do your work early. When your client, you know, you know, puts a comment in Google docs, go fix it immediately. You know, you're in email, it pops up in there, just go do it. And they're like, Oh man, this guy's all over it. He's on top of it. Because you're right. The rest of them are like, I'll get to it. I'm watching TikTok, you know, and like, well, okay. Then you just capped yourself, man. You capped your own income because you dorked around for three hours scrolling when you should have done that, that two minute job immediately, because that just in his mind, when you did that, when you got right back to him, when you fixed it immediately, then he's that you just became his go-to because he's like, Hey, this guy's reliable. You know, he's on top of it man, you're at the top of their list then. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a skill I learned early on, even before what I'm currently doing, just when I was breaking into the TV industry in my, well, I wouldn't call it my former career. I still do some, that, some of that stuff too. Uh, but when I was first breaking into there, uh, mm-hmm. I, I realized at some point I started to get calls from people. Not that I wasn't doing, I'm sure I was doing good enough work too, but it was because I became the guy they knew was always going to answer the phone and was always like, I would, I would put a special alarm. So I knew it was like a work related person calling and I would just be the one to answer the phone. And, and then they'd stopped going down their list because, and then I'd be eventually I'd become at the top of the list yeah. because they don't feel like making 10 phone calls so they can make one. Cause they know I'm probably going to pick yep. up and I'm probably going to say, yes, I might've had the same skills as the other 10 on the list, you know? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. A lot of the times. And, and that's, I think that's where people get so wrapped up into thinking that you have to have these superior skills. Like, man, you know, if you make 15,000 a month, you must have really good writing chops. I'm like, not really. 
but I show up all the time. I'm always there. In fact, this, uh, one of my bigger clients, he, uh, when I gave him my quote and it was a big quote, like I was way above what I was comfortable asking. And again, my wife's like, you need to do it. Just try it. You know? And, uh, he's like, he goes, well, what, what am I paying that for? And I was like, my undivided attention. You know what? And I think that's what sealed the deal. Because when I told him that, he's like, all right, cool, man. And I've delivered. He has a problem. Boom, I'm there. Yeah, I got a comment in Notion. Fix it right then. I mean, it is not. The reason that people that make a lot of money at this make it is not because of their technical chops. It's because they show up and they just do it quickly. Yeah, I, uh, we might have an off-air story I want to share about that, um, that about that exact same sort of a, a lesson there. But uh, uh, one thing I want to kind of weave into as, as we uh, wind down the main show, you kind of reference a couple times that there's certain elements of what you what one might call luck involved in this. Uh, but depending on your own perspective, you mentioned sort of a spiritual perspective that you could have on this. Um, maybe luck isn't exactly the word. So I'm being a little coy, but I'll let you be less coy. Do you, do you see any sort of like religious or spiritual undertones to taking this kind of path and, and, and just forging forward? Um, cause in a sense you do have to have some level of faith, however you want to look at it, if, whether it's faith in yourself or faith that certain things are going to come into place. I mean, when I think about how I formed this show, like it, at some point it almost felt like I wasn't doing it anymore. It felt like I was just allowing it to be done and people were coming to me with produced, uh, you know, music, and animations and it was just like i was just i was just allowing it to happen do you have any kind of sense of that does that ring true to you at all totally oh it totally does this was it was a leap of faith because i mean at at the time when i left my government job i was like at 76 77 thousand a year it wasn't a bad job and um you know at that point i uh i mean i think my best year freelancing was only like five or six thousand like it was nothing you know and so, I mean, it took a lot of faith, but I, we both felt, my wife and I both felt like, Hey, this needs to happen. You need to do this. And so we kind of just dove into it. And like I said before that, it really tested our faith that first few months because I just, it, things weren't falling into place right uh, and immediately. So I definitely think, and that's why I said, some of it is just luck, like people stumbling onto you. I think it was, you know, I, I, I lay that on my faith, you know, that that's where it comes into me. Um, you know, others might not, they just, you know, just might attribute it to being workaholics. Um, mine was not that it was, you know, a lot of things fell into place. Kind of like you were talking about with your show. A lot of things fell into place for me, um, to, uh, to where it just kind of happened. Like if someone were to ask, well, how did you jump from 3000 a month to 15 a month? I'm like, I couldn't really even tell you. You know, honestly, I mean, I know mathematically how it happened, but I'm like, I couldn't hardly write a book on it. It just kind of did, you know? Yeah. And then the it's, it's can become sort of a, a snowball thing that once you, yes. once you allow that to happen, once you don't fight that anymore, once you embrace that, you're not going to, you're not going to ever be able to predict all the details, all the steps in the way that you're going to have to take or all the twists and turns that are going to happen. Mm-mm. But there, whenever, whenever, whenever you hit a, a twist or a turn in the road, I mean, there, there's two ways you can react. Oh shit. I don't want to go down that turn and, and run away. Or you just see where the road goes <laughs> because you got to stay on that. I didn't even mean to make up this, this analogy. So, so good, but it is a good analogy, isn't it? Uh, yeah. You just keep following the road. All right. As long as you can see the no, road. Yes. There may be deer or animals or whatever you, you got to, I'm going to drop the driving analogy, but you get the point. 
<laughs> no, you're absolutely right. And kind of when you, when it is all clicking into place, I mean, you do kind of just have to ride the wave. I mean, I think that's kind of what you're getting at. You just kind of have to follow it. Um, because like now, now granted, there's a lot of things that I would recommend people do that I could have, I could definitely, if I were to do it all over again, I could probably get to where I'm at now in two years or less, starting from zero instead of seven. Um, but man, there are, there's a lot of intangibles there too, that I just couldn't really explain, um, that just happened. So, uh, and, but you know, the funny thing is though, when you're kind of riding that wave at the same point in time, I'm like, well, I'm not worried about the future either because I've just, I've been observing this long enough to kind of understand the ebbs and flows of how it works. And, um, and so it, it doesn't worry me, um, which it, it sounds weird, um, cause it should, but again, a lot of that just goes back to discipline. I say this a lot. I tweet about this a lot. All gas, no brakes. If you do that, um, I mean, that's going to carry you pretty far. Yeah, I like the riding the wave analogy uh, even better than uh, my driving down the windy road analogy because uh, <laughs> uh, you can because you have the choice to get off the road. Ultimately, you don't really have that much of a choice on the wave. You just kind of you kind of have to ride, or you're or you're going to wipe yourself out. And that that is that that is maybe the better analogy uh, for the entrepreneurial game because you just gotta you gotta keep riding it. And because if you, if you, you know, there's no easy way off, you know, um, you know, you're, the, the only way yep. off is to just bail the fuck out. And, uh, yeah, I don't know where else I'm, I don't really yes. surf, so I don't know. Uh, but, but John, um, uh, before we uh, sign off here or not really sign off, we'll hop into a, <laughs> another room here in the smoke filled room, get a little weirder. Uh, I want to just let, uh, give you a chance to let everybody know where they can find what you're doing. I found you on Twitter. Yes. I've, I've been following your tweets for a while and eventually said, all right, this guy's got some stuff to say, so I'm going to bring him on. Um, but let, let everybody know where they can find you. I know you you mentioned your ebook as well and of course where they can find your writing you never know we might have some uh, some airplane part of enthusiasts out there hey all right uh the best place to find me is on twitter and you can go to my link tree and that'll take you to my portfolios it'll take me to my instagram and it'll also take you to my gumroad store which is where my ebook and individualized coaching is and there will be more stuff coming down the line uh but that's where i would start at just start there and everything else is linked off of twitter so that's and it's at john mccoy writes my handle's the same everywhere uh and also, if anyone has any direct questions, I'll answer them. Uh, John McCoy writes at gmail.com. All right, John McCoy, thanks so much. Great to meet you. And thanks for coming on my show. I'll see you in the smoke filled room. Thanks, Mark. Meet you there. All right, friends, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with John McCoy. And as always, the conversation continues. It continued in the smoke filled room when John and I. Got into a little conspiracy talk. We talked a little bit about what has gone on the last two or three years. We also talked a little bit more about religion, about John's take on religion, about his view on a lot of the conversations I've had on this show about religion, especially about how so many of my guests have been uh, on the path toward Orthodox Christianity, which John is not, by the way, but we had an interesting conversation to that end as well. So be sure you're getting the extended versions of all these episodes. You can get them on Patreon. You can get them on Rockfin. You can get them on Subscribestar. Those are the three ways. Maybe you can email me and work out a deal on the side. I'm open to ideas. MarkClaireShow at gmail.com. But you're going to want to make sure you subscribe somewhere. Even if you do Subscribestar, although I'll talk about that in a second, you can get yourself a free week trial on Subscribestar. Give yourself a week. Go dive through all the back episodes. But next episode, next week, I have a conversation that I want to tell you about right now because it's not going to be on YouTube. So if you're a YouTube watcher, if you're watching it this on YouTube, don't sit here waiting for next week's episode to come up. It won't happen. Uh, it is my conversation with Ole Damergard, who was mentioned by Charlie Robinson in episode three of this podcast. Charlie said, you know, when you start looking into false flag, 
Jags, you're going to wind up at Ole Damagard. And I did wind up at Ole Damagard. We had a nearly two hour conversation. By the time this airs, it will be available to premium subscribers of the Mark Claire show. It will be on Patreon. It will be on Rockfin. I'm trying to figure out a workaround for Subscribestar because I usually use YouTube unlisted links for that. And like I said, this is not going to be on YouTube, not even unlisted, not even as a private link because it's a little too risky because I don't need to give myself a strike. I use YouTube to reach more people. It is a search engine. I want to find more people, but I'm not going to just shoot myself in the foot, but the content will still be available. So you can find next week's conversation if you're a video viewer um, on the Mark Claire Show Odyssey channel, on BitChute, on Rumble. I will give you so many options, and frankly, it's probably better to start supporting some of those alternatives if you're not already anyway. So check out next week's conversation with Ole Damagard on one of those other platforms, Rockfin, uh, and get the full conversation on Patreon, on Rockfin, and subscribe star people. I'm going to figure something out for you guys. But as with the current methods, I'm not sure I can even get it on there in the normal way, but I will find a way. Don't you worry. That being said, I hope you enjoyed the show this week. Tune in next week, however you may do it, for my wild and crazy conversation with Ole Damagard. Until then, my friends, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. (laughs) 